Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode 172. First, let's say, how fun is football? We got treated to two excellent championship games that came down to the last minute or last couple of possessions anyway. Uh, adding to the previous week, I kind of went into this week thinking, man, there's no way it's going to live up to what happened during the uh, divisional round week. But nope, it sure did. Championship week was awesome, and now we're poised for a pretty fun Super Bowl. Uh, Joe Burrow versus Matt Stafford. I actually don't know who I'm rooting for in this one, but congrats to those of you who bet on those two teams in your playoff dynasty, or not dynasty, but playoff fantasy leagues. I don't think too many people did, but those that did... Congrats uh, to you. It's going to be fun. Hey, we're going to do on episode number 172, talk about players that I'm still holding out hope for. You know, I told told y'all last week that one of the things that I like to do this time of year is speculate on players' dynasty value, uh, particularly those players that have a really uncertain value right now, or at least in a volatile point in time. Uh, This mainly includes younger players, you know, who've yet to produce fantasy points, but were thought to be excellent prospects in the rookie class, so you're trying to decide, are they or are they not? Um, This also, though, includes players that, you know, maybe had spikes in fantasy production early in their career, but they've seen their dynasty fall, their dynasty value fall since that time. So they're players that dynasty managers have to make decisions about, right? Uh, They're having to answer the question, am I holding on to hope or am I losing hope? And so at this time of the office season, what I like to do is think about the players that I'm actually holding out for and which ones that I've decided I'm losing hope in. And once I've uh, made that decision, then I try to make trade offers between such players, hoping that other managers maybe see it a different way than I did. Than I did. So these are the players this week. Last week I talked about 10 players I'm losing hope in. Uh, this one, I'm going to actually talk about 10 players that I'm actually holding out hope for. All right, so these are the 10 players. One is Daniel Jones. Uh, Jones' first three uh, years have been a roller coaster ride for sure with high peaks and terrible valleys. He started 37 NFL games. And he scored 30 or more fantasy points in seven of them. And then he's had 15 or fewer fantasy points in 18. So he's been a complete bust about 50% of the time of his starts. Uh, It seemed like he was starting to turn the corner in this third season at the start of last year. He started the season on fire, averaging 26.5 fantasy points per game, with a total of six touchdowns and one interception in those first four games. But then his next seven games he played before getting put on IR for the rest of the season, he just averaged 12 fantasy points per game with six touchdowns and six interceptions. So Jones' dynasty value, I think, right now is at an all-time low, but he's still a player that I'm eager to buy in super flex leagues. I'm still hoping out, holding out hope for several reasons. Uh, one, the Giants can't afford to draft another quarterback. I think they're going to continue to build the team around Jones this offseason, as they did last season when they added Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Toney. Uh, Galladay in free agency and Toney in the draft. Also hopeful because I hired Brian Dayball this last week as their, the offensive coordinator behind Josh Allen's um, you know, rapid improvement over the last couple of years. I'm not trying to compare Jones to, to Allen. Don't say that. But I'm just saying you do have the coach that helped make Allen you know, have a rocky start to his career improve in big time. Uh, he's the first you know, head coach that I think is going to be definitely better uh, for Jones than Pat Shermer or Joe Judge were. 
I also really have up in Saquon Barkley, which we'll talk about shortly, uh, that he's been injured for more than half of Jones's starts. So it's no wonder that Jones's fantasy season, you know, best season of his career was his rookie year. That was the year that he had Barkley healthy for the entire season. Uh, I like Jones, too, because he's sneaky productive in the running game. He's had a total of 1,000 yards in his first three seasons, total of 1,000 yards rushing total. That puts him in the uh, you know rushing quarterback class. I, I set the market that at about 300 yards per season. So he's got 1,000 over three years, so more than 300 yards per season generally. Uh, so I, I just feel like, too, the other thing is he's been capable. He has produced, those, like I said, those um, you know 30-point games. He's proven that he can do it. Uh, so those things make me hope that, you know, with a better coach, uh, more, you know, uh, better teammates around him that are, when they're healthy, especially, that he's going to have a chance to come back. I would much rather have Daniel Jones than Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield. Those are the two quarterbacks that I mentioned last week that I'm losing hope in. So if I could trade Jones straight up for one of those guys, I think I'd try to do it. And there might be some other owners out there who just think differently about Jones compared to Mayfield or Wentz, and you could make that trade. Next player I have hope for still is Tua Tungavola. Uh, Tua has not lived up to his NFL draft capital, nor his dynasty rookie draft capital, but I really believe he will. Uh, he finished last season as the 26th highest scoring quarterback. Pretty bad, uh, but he did miss five games with, energies, with injuries, but even so, his 16 points per game average put him among the players that you just really wouldn't want to have as starters, even in Superflex leagues. Jared Goff, Ben Roethlisberger, Teddy Bridgewater, Jimmy Garoppolo, Taylor Heineke, all of them averaged more points per game than Tua did. I believe he's a much better player than what he's shown in his first 21 starts of his career. Uh, that That's four more games than one NFL season, so I consider him a bit of maybe like a second-year player, even though he's going into his third year. Um, I'm going to give him a pass and hope for more. Uh, the Dolphins fired their defensive-minded head coach, Brian Flores, and I think undoubtedly are going to bring an offensive-minded coach, uh, Tua and Jalen Waddle really developed a great connection throughout the season last year, and even Devontae Parker was a reliable target when he was healthy. Uh, Miami's defense really is their strength, so I believe the Dolphins are going to add offensive weapons within the draft and maybe through free agency, although their highest draft pick is number 26 and number 50 uh, since they traded their first-round draft pick to, to get Jalen Waddle last year. Uh, Tua is a top recruit at Alabama, and he lived up to expectation. Uh, he was the first-round draft pick by the Dolphins, and I just believe that he's too good uh, to not meet expectations. His dynasty value is never going to be, you know, catch up to those that were drafted in his class like Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Uh, but he's still going to become, I believe, a reliable starting quarterback, certainly in super flex leagues, but I believe in one quarterback leagues too, that he's going to make a big jump in the coming years. Another player that I'm holding out hope for is Saquon Barkley. Barkley's dynasty value is uh, still relatively high, but it's definitely the lowest that it's been in his career. It's really hard to believe that this, you know, can't-miss prospect who scored 340 points in his rookie season has only scored a total of 368 combined fantasy points over the last three years. So 340 in his first year, just barely passing that with his next three years combined. He get, does get a pass from Dynasty Manager since he's missed most of, you know, an entire season with an injury and then suffered a freak ankle injury this last season. However, uh, this season, Barkley was really outplayed by Devontae Booker. If you were watching, it was really hard to tell which one of them was which when they were on the field. Their numbers looked alike. They looked about the same size, and it was just like, I can't believe that Booker is playing just as well or really better than Barkley. Uh, that's why Barkley's dynasty value, I think, is at an all-time low right now, which is where, in this case, I would hope to buy him. Barkley is 29 years old, and he's in the final year of his contract, so he has much to prove. 
the Giants have every reason to feed him the ball next season, though, uh, to protect Daniel Jones and to determine if he's going to be on the team with them uh, in 2023. Um, as I just stated, I believe the Giants are going to be way better coached next year, and the entire offense is going to improve, giving Barkley far more opportunities to score touchdowns. I really don't think that Barkley's injury-prone. If anything, you could look at this the other way. This is what you do sometimes with injuries. If you're trying to do, spin it positive, you could say that he's saved some wear and tear by missing so many games over the last two seasons. Uh, during that time, other running backs have certainly replaced him You know, in the top tier of dynasty rankings. But I still see Barkley as a second-tier running back, and uh, I think he's going to have become a, you know every-week starter in dynasty lineups, maybe an RB2. Uh, for instance, I have him ranked ahead of other running backs that I believe that other managers have ranked higher than I do. So I have Barkley ranked ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who I mentioned as the player that I want to, uh, that I would be not, that I'm losing hope in. <clears throat> I have him higher than Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, and even Aaron Jones. So I'm pretty high on him compared to most. Next, I'm going to mention two players at once, players I'm still holding out hope for, are Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Uh, Sutton had a very mediocre season coming off, you know, his last season in 2019, uh, when Teddy Bridgewater's most, he, he was Teddy Bridgewater's most targeted wide receiver through week six. But after that point, his targets really dropped off. That's when Jerry Judy returned to the lineup in week eight. And so the ball began, began to get, you know, spread around a lot more. And Sutton did not catch a touchdown pass the rest of the season after Judy came back. Uh, Ju, Judy followed up his poor rookie season with an even worse second year without scoring a single touchdown in the 10 games that he played. Unreal. I think Sutton and Judy's dynasty value is at a low point right now, but I believe that there's reason to think that they're going to bounce back. Uh, the Broncos were a run-first defensive team the last two seasons with Vic Fangio as their head coach. Last season, they were 26th in the number of plays called, 23rd in pass plays called, and 23rd in total scoring offense. Uh, those stats are really going to change now that they have a new coach, Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, the Broncos need a new starting quarterback, and he, he will be really active, I believe, in the trading and the free agents uh, markets. It's even possible, as rumors you know are flying around, that maybe Hackett could be instrumental in bringing Aaron Rodgers um, uh, to Denver from from Green Bay. Really, any upgraded quarterback is going to help Sutton and Judy bounce back and send their season uh, value on the rise. I think I would try to buy them now before the new quarterback gets to town, because when the new quarterback gets to town, uh, their dynasty value is going to take a bit of a jump. A couple young guys I'll mention next that I still have hope for. One is Diami Brown. Uh, Brown was one of my mid-tier sleepers in the last rookie class. I had him ranked much higher than the other analysts, so I routinely drafted him in the third round of rookie drafts. He did have a very unproductive rookie season, but I'm still confident in his ability to break out next season. Uh, what encouraged me, encourages me most about Brown was that he was in the starting lineup from game one. You just wouldn't know it because he only had 12 catches total in the season. Uh, Brown earned the starting role and was second on the team in wide receiver snaps until he got injured early in the season. So he was the starting wide receiver opposite Terry McLaurin. And then DeAndre Carter actually played pretty well in Brown's role You know when he, when he got injured. He was able to kind of hold off Brown for the remainder of the season. And Brown's uh, targets just never, never went up and his snaps never went up after he got injured. The football team, well, they're going to announce their new name uh, this morning. <laughs> the football team's season was over by that time, by the time that Brown got healthy, and there really was no need to run him out there. Uh, DeAndre Carter is a free agent, so his role, I think, is just going to go straight back to Brown next season. I had a great time, actually, this week. I was starting to uh, do my rookie, studying the you know rookie class coming out, and when I was looking at Sam Howell, his quarterback, uh, film, so many of those plays two years ago were to Diami Brown, and I just think he's just he's too good. He's waiting to break out. The, the football team, or whatever they decide to call themselves today, they're likely going to have a better quarterback next season, too. And so Brown is a player that I'd love to buy. 
Only problem is I have him on, all, on almost all of my teams already because I drafted him so much. Similar position is Josh Palmer, one of the players I really have hope in. Uh, he was my favorite mid-round rookie draft last year, and like like uh, Brown, I drafted Josh Palmer in a lot of leagues. He didn't have as quiet of a season as Brown, but he didn't like explode onto the scene either. He had 33 catches for 353 yards, but he did have four touchdown grabs too. Really what to hold him down was Mike Williams' wild start to the season. That was a massive surprise to me. Uh, but he ended up the season as inconsistent as he normally is from a fantasy perspective. Mike Williams, that is, and that's what I expected him to be so inconsistent. I believed all along that the Chargers drafted Palmer to replace Williams, who uh, just played in the last year of his contract. So if I'm right, the Chargers are not going to re-sign Williams. Palmer then is going to pop next year for sure. Uh, Williams is an unrestricted free agent, and Jalen Guyton, the you know other you know competition for Palmer, uh, he's a restricted free agent. I just think the Palmer is a perfect fit to become the wide receiver too, you know, behind Keenan Allen, and I think the Chargers do too, based on you know third round draft capital. They really drafted him pretty high. I'm willing to bet on it and add Palmer to my teams in free agency. I'd be pretty disappointed if they do end up signing Williams, um, but I'm willing to take that risk right now and think that they won't, and they are really banking on Palmer to be the next guy up. <coughs> Excuse me. Another guy that I'm holding out hope for, I think I have three more for us here, is uh, LaVisca Chenault. After Urban Meyer's ridiculous coaching job, I think every player on the Jaguars should get a pass from Dynasty managers. It was just impossible to evaluate players this season because the team was such a train wreck under Meyer. Uh, he even made Trevor Lawrence look terrible. Every player's Dynasty value should basically put on, be put on ha- pause right now for this team. Uh, but some managers may not realize it. If I could find a manager that was low on Chenault, I'd look to trade for him. His lack of improvement you know, in his second season brought dynasty value down to a, a lower point. Uh, this season, Chenault had almost the exact same stat line as he did in his rookie season, except he had no touchdowns compared to the five that he had in his first year. I think that's really going to change. That's an anomaly there. Any coach the Jaguars hire is going to be better for Trevor Lawrence and the offense than Meyer was. And the new coach will build his offense around his most important player, which is Lawrence. Uh, Chenault was second on the team in wide receiver targets and snaps behind Marvin Jones last year. I think Jones, he's going to continue to get more snaps than Chenault just because he's the X receiver and will be out there and you know more sets than Chenault will be. But I could really see Chenault becoming the team's leading target next season, uh, even as the, he you know plays a Z position. Chenault is a wide receiver, you know, with a long you know that. He's going to be with the team long-term. So I think he's the one that really needs to build chemistry with Lawrence. Jones isn't going to be with the team uh, after next year. Chenault's, you know, could be your prototypical third-year breakout, like they used to call him. Uh, I think that this could be the year uh, for him, for sure, still holding out hope. Rookie player that I'm holding out hope in is Rashad Bateman. Uh, Bateman's rookie season was decent, but he really didn't do enough to stand out. So some dynasty managers may have less hope in him than I do. I'm glad uh, because he's a bit under the radar currently, and I hope that I could buy him. Uh, on, onto my teams before he becomes the Ravens' leading receiver. That's what I believe is going to happen. Mark Andrews is going to continue to be lead, leading the team in target and red zone uh, targets for sure. But I fully expect Bateman to surpass Marquise Brown next season as their most fantasy-relevant wide receiver. Uh, like we expected, the Ravens did lean on the pass more than more last season, uh, and I believe that they're going to continue to do so. They were just 21st in passing percentage in the league, with only 56% of their plays being passes. But they led the league by far the number of snaps that were that were run, uh, which is why even though they were 56% pass, they were ninth in the league in pass attempts. So you got to look at it that way. Uh, that's because they run the body just run so many plays compared to other teams. These trends, combined with a healthy Lamar Jackson and J.K. Dobbins, 
uh, make me want you know to have a piece of this offense. And Rashad Bateman, I think he's the hidden gem that's going to break out next season. I'll throw a tight end in here too. That's my last player that I'm still holding out hope for. That's Evan Ingram. Uh, Ingram had the worst year of his career last season, and he's about to enter free agency after his fifth season in New York. Uh, his best fantasy year was his rookie year in 2017 when he outplayed the fellow highly rated rookies, O.J. Howard and David Njoku, if you remember that class. Ingram's the only tight end in the class that I still believe in, and I think he can make a fantasy impact. He's only 27 years old, which is young for a tight end, and he'll be one of the top paid tight ends in free agency this year, even though there are really a lot of talented tight ends available this year in free agency. Uh, Ingram struggles with drops, and he's not the best blocker, but he's just a matchup problem when he's used appropriately. And after five years in the NFL, I think general managers and coaches are going to know that you know what he can and can't do. And so he's best used as a move tight end, a team that you know picks him up in free agency is going to use him like that in the passing game solely. And I think I'm really excited to see what he's where he's going to go in free agency. And I think I try to look to buy him now before he lands with another, another team and gets a little dynasty value bump. Still holding out hope for Evan Ingram. All right, those are my 10 guys I'm holding out hope for, players that I'd be trying to make trades for. Definitely volatile players, you know, that everyone's kind of guessing on right now, but those are the ones that I'm hoping for. Hope you compare those with the ones that I mentioned last week that I'm losing hope in, and those are the types of trades I try to make, the ones I'm hoping for versus the ones that I'm losing hope in. All volatile players, but that's a little bit of my opinion on them. Thanks so much for listening. That's a wrap this week, my freaky friends. Uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than on Twitter, so email me. That's the best way to get in touch with me, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Uh, thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up any.